things you may or may not know about Northwest uh, is that our shepherds and ministers get together very regularly for prayer. Uh, and that's been true for a long time. It's been true for many years. Uh, Bill and the elders started doing that together in small groups and as a large group uh, decades ago. And that legacy of prayer has made a big difference at Northwest. Uh, in the last couple weeks, uh, I always like, I talked about this last week, I love the end of the year, like looking back on the last year kind of television shows and articles, and, and you look back on them and you think, man, was that only last year? Uh, but it's an even kind of different deal when you're also at the end of a decade. So we've got to, in the last couple of weeks as a country and as uh, in the world, look back on all the things that have changed in the last 10 years. And this isn't just a fun and entertaining exercise, while it is that. I think it's important to remember where we've come from, to understand where we are, and to see where we might be going. And we've talked a number of times in the last year here at Northwest about the spiritual importance and spiritual practice of remembering. That it is, in fact, something that we struggle with today. Uh, as, as Christians in the world that we live in, we are always caught up in the present and caught up in the immediate and what matters the most in this moment. And a lot of times we're so caught up in the immediate that we miss what's most important. Uh, when we don't think about the, the victories and the gifts and the blessings that God has given us in the past days, in the past months, and past years, we often take for granted the good gifts God's given us. And so it's important for us as Christian people to constantly uh, be remembering. Every week we come together with communion and we remember the sacrifice of Jesus. We remember the body and the blood, the life he lived in the flesh, the blood he poured out on the cross so that we might live that forward into today. And, and so the act of remembering the past shapes us in the present to give us vision for the future. That's part of what's happening in the Lord's Supper. And this is something that, that happens throughout the Bible. There's a number of times uh, that this is practiced in Scripture. Uh, one of the ones I, I want to look at briefly uh, is in Deuteronomy chapter 32. And if you're not real familiar with the book of Deuteronomy, uh, it's early in the Old Testament, and the book is written at the end of Moses' ministry to Israel. He's been leading them for many years. He's been uh, struggling with them, wrestling with them, standing between them and God and trying to get them where they needed to be. And Deuteronomy is where Moses comes together and he's got sermons in here, he's got stories in here, he's reminding them about the law, he's reminding them about history, and it's an exercise in memory. It's an exercise in Moses saying, as you go on into the future without me and with new leaders in Joshua and in the other leadership that God's going to give you, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget what God has done in front of you. And at the end of, of Deuteronomy in chapter 32, he's got this song. And it says that Moses recited the words of this song from beginning to end in the hearing of the whole assembly of Israel. He gets the whole nation together and he, he sings this song to them or he speaks this song to them. And, and we're just going to look at the first nine verses. But I want you to see what it looks like when the people of God come together to remember the things God has done in their midst. And on their behalf. As listen, you heavens, and I will speak. Hear, you earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain, and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock, His works are perfect. And all his ways are just. 
A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. They are corrupt and not his children. To their shame they are a warped and crooked generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father, your creator, who made you and formed you? Remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father and he will tell you. Your elders and they will explain to you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all mankind, he set up boundaries for the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob his lotted inheritance. Moses says, you've got to remember what God's done for you. You've got to remember what's done. And if you don't remember, ask your fathers and ask your elders. And I've been here long enough that I've become one of the old people who tell stories about Northwest, <laughs> which is scary in a lot of ways. We're going to tell some of those stories today. We're going to do what Moses did with Israel. He said, don't forget who God is and what he's done among you. Tell the next generation. Don't let them take for granted what you know God has done. And what we're going to do today is look back at several times, uh, and I'm going to tell you stories about when I was in the room with a group of shepherds and ministers of this congregation who said prayers to God on behalf of this church, who they looked around at different challenges and problems that were either present or coming in the, the future of this congregation, and they prayed, God, we don't know how you're going to get us to the other side of this challenge, but we trust that you will, and we're going to ask that you do it. God, get us through what seems like an insurmountable challenge. And what's incredible is today I'm going to tell you stories of time after time that God answered those prayers. And you may not know those stories because we don't tell them often enough. Because some of those stories are 8, 9, 10 years old, and not all of you have been here for the last 10 years. And so we need to go back, and I need to tell you these stories because, was, because what some of you don't know is that you're here today because God answered the prayers of yesterday. And so if you're here as an answer to one of those prayers, I want you to know today that God's doing something in you and through you because we prayed for you and God said yes. But before we get into some of that, I, I want to kind of just get a, a little bit of a glimpse into how much some things have changed here in the last 10 years. Um, and so here's the first thing I want to do is I want to ask how many of you have been here less than 10 years? Just, yeah, show of hands. I've been here less than 10 years. Our church information says that on any given Sunday, about two-thirds of the people in this room have been here less than 10 years. That's a lot of new people, and we are grateful for you. We're grateful for you. If you're thinking, I'm not sure if I've been here for 10 years or not, um, here's a quick way to remember. If when you started coming here, those were pews and not chairs, it was 10 years ago. Um, if, if there was a curtain that was kind of a turquoise teal curtain that covered the baptistry, that was 10 years ago. And if you just thought to yourself, really, a turquoise curtain used to be back there? Welcome, you're less than 10 years. Uh, Northwest. We started planning that 10 years ago. We actually did it nine years ago. 
Um, and it, this is going to blow your mind if you've been here less than 10 years. Not only was there a curtain that covered the baptistry, but, but it had a little button that was on the other side of a door that's no longer here. And so you could come over here and you would tuck behind the curtain. And for a long time, you would hold down a button and this motor would go. This is how you knew a baptism was coming. That's the sound of a baptism. <laughs> but then the motor broke. And so what you would do is someone would come over here and go behind the curtain and do this. And it didn't make as neat of a sound and it was a little bit hard to do. But we still managed to let people be baptized into Jesus Christ. It happened. Um, that, was, that was then. Uh, nine years ago, we, we did a major renovation and, and took out all the pews. And that was a fun week because Ryan Russell worked here back then. And he and I got scooters and just treated the auditorium like a playground. It was like the X Games in here. Um, so a lot of things have changed. But let me ask you this. We've talked about who's been here less than 10 years. How many of you have been alive less than 10 years? Alive less than 10 years. Yeah. Got a few kids. Let me tell you guys something. You're here today as an answer to prayers. If you're less than 10 years old, you're here as an answer to prayers because this church prayed for you. We prayed for kids and we prayed for babies and we prayed for new life. And it's why when babies are so loud and disruptive here, this is recent enough in our memory that those of us who are older just go, man, the sound of answered prayers. What a beautiful sound those young answered prayers. And there's another thing that I was thinking about even just this morning. Um, how many of the families here at Northwest in the last 10 years have been blessed through foster care and adoption? Foster care and adoption, any families? A lot of families. At one point we had something like 20 kids that were part of our Northwest Children's Ministry that were blessed uh, by the families of this Northwest and by what God was doing in this church through foster care and adoption. That's incredible. It's incredible for a church of our size to be reaching out and, and loving kids and those kids coming to our families and loving and blessing us in that high of a percentage is remarkable to see what God did. And so when we ask God, God bring us kids, he did it in every single way imaginable. We said, God, please, and he said, you won't even, you don't know what's coming. How many, have, how many in this room have been a Christian less than 10 years? Been a Christian less than 10 years. Man, praise God for you. You're an answer to prayers. Uh, how many of you, uh, and this, has to, this takes more than 10 years, but I think it's worth remembering. How many of you have been here long enough that you remember the metal slide that used to be in the playground that would give you third-degree burns. <laughs> How many of you remember the slide? All right. So you and me, we're the elders that the rest of them are coming to for stories. In Deuteronomy 32, we remember, we've got the scars to prove it just from going down that slide. But I need to tell you about some of the prayers. I need to tell you about some of the challenges this church faced 10, 15 years ago. Some of the prayers prayed 15 years ago have been answered in the last 10. I'm going to include that in some of these stories. Uh, there were days at Northwest that there were no young adults in these chairs, in these pews, I should say. 
There were no young adults. Not only were there no young adults, but there were no, uh, there were very few teenagers, there were very few children, and there were no babies. And the elders started to become aware of this, and the ministry leaders started to become aware of this, and they started to say, uh, this is a church that if we don't start to get families and babies and children into this auditorium to hear the stories of Jesus and become part of this community of believers, we're a dying church. And we knew that, that once a church reaches a certain point, that the membership reaches a certain age, if there's no, uh, in, no uh, sudden inrushing of youth uh, and families, that that's a dying church. Northwest was really close to becoming one of those churches. Our shepherds started to pray. And they prayed and they said, God, we don't know what to do, but we know that you are powerful enough and good enough that you can do this. And God, we want you to send us young families. And we want you to send us babies. We want you to send us children. And we want you to do it any way that, that is necessary. God, do something among us so that we have youth. And what's happened over and over again uh, is that a new wave of young adults has come to Northwest. And they come often as newlyweds or as adult singles, and they form a, a, a group of friendships and a class and a life group. Uh, and I remember when I was in one of those, and we called ourselves uh, adults with no children. <laughs> and one of the, the families in our group that was in the life group for adults with no children um, got pregnant. And they came to the group and they said, does this mean we have to leave the group? And we said, no, it's okay. We're pretty sure it's not contagious. You can keep coming. We were wrong. It was very contagious. And we all caught it. And now that, that young adults group with no children, I think, has like 35 children among, among them. And our furniture that we used to sit on back then has been destroyed three times over. Because God keeps blessing us. And God keeps answering those prayers. And that generation... It's now in their 40s, and another generation came behind it in their 30s, and more children came. And, and the youth group and the children's ministry and, and, and children's worship right now has been filled with the answers to those prayers and the answers to those prayers and the answers to those prayers because God is good and God is faithful. Um, Bill and I occasionally get asked, how, how are you with a church in the city continuing to get young people to come? And we say, by the grace of God. We prayed, and God answered our prayers. And they say, yeah, but what's the model? And we say, I wish we knew we could sell the book and make lots of money, but we prayed it's a really short book no one will buy. <laughs> we prayed. You know, there was 10 years ago, one of the challenges that Northwest had is we had a, a our physical property had really come into disrepair. Uh, we did have pews, we did have, uh, this stage was kind of a turquoise blue carpet and there was peach everywhere. Uh, but if you went down the west hallway that many of you came in today when you went to Bible class, uh, if you're in that hallway, the one with the office uh, over there, uh, it was wood paneling everywhere. And there were three rooms that were in that hall. Uh, and were, were there three, four? There's four rooms. Um, but they were all too small to really use. We couldn't have Bible classes in them. One was a library that had books just piled everywhere that wasn't used. No one was reading them. And, and it kept it from being usable. It was kind of a mess. Uh, the one that was usable was what is now FLC 103, or West 103, where Dennis has his class. 
um, it had a large bar that allowed it to only have about 15 people in the room. There was a grief room where we at one point had done grief and recovery classes, but it was a small room with couches, good for counseling and intimate conversations, but not really uh, for the women's ministry that meets there now at times with 30 and 40 women that are in there sharing uh, their lives and sharing the word with one another. Uh, and, and if you came into that hallway 10 years ago, uh, there were some weeks we just forgot to turn the lights on because nothing was going on over there. Um, there were times that people would walk into this building while worship was going on and wonder where the people were because we were spread out in all kinds of different places and, and parts of the building were run down and, and we hadn't been doing a lot of the care that we needed to. And, and the deacons and other ministry leaders got together and said, by the year 2020, we want this to be a building that's sustainable for the future because the building was in such disrepair that when we would be in meetings about will there be a church here in 20 years, the answer was, we don't know if we can be in this building in 20 years. It's, it's getting run down. Uh, underneath this stage, there used to be something called a boiler unit. Um, most of you don't know what that is. I don't really know. What I know is it was a huge mechanical contraption that made the air cool in the summer and warm in the winter. That's what I know. And I knew that it was going to cost us $100,000 to replace it if it ever went out. And we were holding it together with paper clips and duct tape. And I know that because we talked about it in meetings over and over and over again. What are we going to do if the boiler unit goes out? What are we going to do if the boiler unit goes out? Uh, we're not sure that this building can survive 20 more years and the repairs that are necessary, we don't think we can afford. There's several points in the future, something's going to break and we're going to go to the bank and go, sorry, it's no longer viable for there to be a church family that exists in this space. So there are always conversations about where are we going next and where will we go? And, and this church has always had a heart for the city, but we weren't sure that we had a building that could stay here. And we prayed and we prayed and we asked God that God would provide for us and several things happened. The first one involved a lot of work from Northwest. It involved us committing to come up with a plan to renovate our building and bring it up to kind of modernize standards. Uh, it required us going in debt for a few years uh, to do that. And that was really uncomfortable for a lot of us that wondered, is this the responsible and financially prudent for a church, uh, for a church to do, to go into debt, to pay for uh, capital improvements? Uh, but we wrestled through that. We took a large contribution, and the church gave generously as it always does towards that. And we did take out a loan, and we did a massive renovation of the property. And one of the things that we did in the process of that was we committed as church leaders to never let the building get run down again that required uh, a third of a million or a half million dollar renovation, that we would do the regular maintenance that would keep this building running on a regular basis. And we can't talk about that without recognizing the ministry of Eddie Skelton. Is Eddie in here? He's not even in here. There he is. Um, Eddie's up here all the time. I rarely have meetings that don't get interrupted by Eddie. Um, and he's working on, and he's, he's serving, and, and, you know, I would say behind the scenes, but he does so much, we all know it, okay? Eddie is serving and living out that commitment to take care of this property in this building. Uh, and then our prayers were answered in other ways because that boiler unit that we didn't think we could ever replace, well, half of it got hit by a hailstorm that took out our roof too. And suddenly, uh, God brought a storm that allowed us to get out from under something that was under our building causing a problem. 
And we got an insurance check that covered over half of the cost of replacing the boiler unit. And, and we got out from under that thing that we were so worried about and afraid of. And we kept saying over and over again, when it goes out, we're finished. God, what are we going to do? And God says, I'll take care of it. And as happens every now and then, he does it with a storm. And he showed up with a storm, and he followed it with an insurance claim, and we got rid of the boiler unit. Praise God. And one of the things we kept saying from time to time is, you know, we've, we've done almost the whole building. What really is left to be done is the basement and the north bathrooms, which are not actually connected in any visible way. And you would think, I don't know how we're going to be able to get those remodeled and that remodeled, and where's the money going to come from? And then our sump pump had a leak that stripped the foundation from under this part of our building and then flooded the basement. And suddenly they were connected in another insurance claim. <laughs> we didn't know this could happen. But if you like drew on, on a circle on our building and said, God, if there's a way you could replace this one and this one, that'd be great. Prayers answered. God is good. Suddenly something that we thought, we're not sure how we're going to get to this part and that part. God ties it together, brings another storm, and we're blessed for it. The prayers that we would be able to continue doing ministry in this location, in the city, for the city. People that live here in other areas but are driving here because they want to be part of this family in this place for the kingdom of God in Oklahoma City. God has opened doors for us to continue doing that, not just through 2020, but for decades now. This building really is viable for a long time to come because God answered prayers when we didn't know how it was going to happen. There was another year early in the recession, uh, in, in the late 2000s. Uh, there was a time that we were coming together in prayer and our budget had creeped up significantly higher than our giving. And there was a, a certain amount of hand-wringing and worry and anxiety that was creeping into lots of leadership meetings. And we would come together and, and we would pray, God, what are we going to do about the gap between our giving and our budget? Because the gap was real. It was, as the end got towards the end of the year, uh, it was about $7,000 gap between our giving that year and our budget for that year. And there was a lot of anxiety about it. And I remember one of our meetings with the ministers and the shepherds, and we prayed, God, send us moneyed members who are generous. People that are given not just the gift of wealth, but who understand that that which they've been given is to be used for the benefit of, of your kingdom and of this congregation. And we prayed for, for God to send people uh, that were willing to give and support the ministry of this church in this place. I was a young minister back then, and I decided, God, if you need a vessel to do this through, I'll go buy a lottery ticket just in case 10% of the winnings of that could bless this church. I'll at least buy a ticket. If you need to do it through me and my wealth that you'll grant me, so be it. Today, we're in a situation where our, our budget at Northwest is actually the same right now as it was in about 2008. God continues to bless us, but he's blessed us with generous givers and a number of families that, that are regularly being financially responsible at home so they can help us be financially responsible as a church. And we don't worry about money anymore, and we're not worried about the finances of this congregation. And this congregation is so blessed that every year at March for Missions, we give towards funding missions for the year, and we get sixty dollars or $70,000 in cash on one Sunday to fund missions which is over half of what we do in the rest of the year for missions, and we're able to do that. This church gives 20 to 
of its annual giving goes to missions and evangelism here and overseas. This church is passionate about that. We get people that go to other congregations and they come back and they say, I was there for their mission Sunday and they're trying to raise 5% of their contribution to go to missions. This church loves evangelism and loves the kingdom of God and wants to see it grow. And we're able to give generously to it because God continues to answer the prayer that we would be filled with generous givers who finance the vision of the leadership of this church and the kingdom of God that's taking place here. God answered that prayer. God also, I recognized Eddie, I need to recognize someone else. During our lean years, uh, there is a thing that happens in financial uh, practices that I don't fully understand. But what you have to do is you take your money and you start juggling it to make sure that it, it works. And some of you know what I'm talking about? And you need a gifted financial juggler to be able to get you through the lean years. And you need someone who can occasionally look at people and say, oh, you, you want to do this or that? No. Okay? And you also need someone that when you say, we've got an exciting ministry and vision, says, you figure out a way to make it happen. I'll find a way to make sure there's money there to do it. And for some number of years, we've had someone that's been our juggler and our policeman and our prophetic enabler uh, who's managed to get the money to do all the things we needed the money to do. Uh, and we need to mention Bob time. Because often behind answered prayers is a really faithful servant. And our prayers for, for financial uh, stability have been answered a lot through the work of Bob and Glenda Jatan. Um, both of them have worked in that area for many years. Uh, Bob retired from that role last week. Um, and so he's been an incredible servant and he's helped us to get to where we are today with a financially viable future in a uh, building that's viable with church families that are young and full of energy and vitality. And God just keeps answering our prayers and he answers our prayers. On one occasion, we realized that we needed more Bible class teachers. And we, we got together and the elders said, well, what are we going to do? We need more Bible class teachers. And we did the one thing that keeps working. We prayed about it. God, send us really good educated, passionate Bible teachers. And here's what I want to do right now. If you are someone who has taught in our children or youth ministry in the last 10 years, could you stand up for a second? Children or youth ministry, even one class in our children's and youth ministry. Church, has that prayer been answered? And, and Admittedly, our prayers on that day were a lot for our adult education. And so what I want to ask is if you've taught a, an adult Bible class, even just one class, uh, whether that's a women's ministry class or a class to young adults or older adults, or you've subbed for, uh, for even one week, would you stand up in the last 10 years? Has that prayer been answered? Church, I'm telling you, we keep praying and God keeps answering it. And sometimes it happens so smoothly that we forget how much we've been blessed. We've prayed over the years for diversity, that God will continue to send us a diverse congregation that can be just, you, we want a church that when you just look at, that someone goes, man, that looks like the kingdom of God. 
and it's got people of, of every skin color in it. It's got people that are speaking different languages. It's got rich people and poor people, and the poor people bless the rich as much as they do otherwise, and then it's all turned upside down in a way that the world goes, that's different, and we go, no, it's the kingdom of God. And we've prayed for that diversity, and we've prayed for the ability to do ministry in Spanish, and God keeps blessing us over and over again with people that come into our family and maybe don't even speak our language, but know that we're part of the same family. And that testimony to the world is so important. And we're so grateful for our Spanish ministry that's growing and thriving and continuing to evolve and to become something this church is so proud of and excited about. God just keeps answering our prayers. We pray for unity. Unity in, in difficult times, and in, in the world that we live in today, even churches argue with each other, and we've prayed for unity, and God has blessed this church with unity. And not just unity uh, on a week-to-week -week basis, we've had staff transition. Uh, the transition from Bill being the preacher of 34 years to, to me stepping in for this last year, uh, it's, I think, gone really well, or at least you're all really good at lying to my face, and I thank you for that. <laughs> You've been gracious. You've been excited. You've been complimentary. You pray for me. Every week when I stand up here in the pulpit, I don't get up here without two to three people telling me that they're praying for me. You know how incredible that is? To know that the church that you minister to is ministering to me. You're a blessing to me. And we've been united through all of that. And even this last year, several of our elders uh, stepped down. They did so because they were so encouraged because of the prayers that had been answered and the confidence they had in the direction of this church and what God was doing in the present and what he had in store for the future. God is good. God is good. God continues to answer our prayers. Church, I'll tell you, the reason that we need to make sure that we look back on the prayers that have been answered at Northwest over the last 10 years is that we need to be able to look back 10 years at the prayers that he's answered so that we can prepare to look forward in the next 10 years with new prayers. There are challenges that are ahead for Northwest Church of Christ and for Christians and for the church at large in this world and in this country. There are challenges that are ahead. And we need to remember that God has gotten us through things we didn't think we could get through. We need to remember that there were times that the shepherds of this church says, we've got to pray because we don't know what else to do. There are times that are coming that those moments will come up again that we're going to need to hit our knees and pray, God, we don't know how to get us through this next season, but we trust that you'll provide because you provided before and we know that you're going to do it again. There's challenges that are ahead, church, but we've got a God who has been faithful, who is faithful, and who will be faithful. God has answered unbelievable prayers in our midst, and he will answer them again. And it's time for us now to begin envisioning and listening and, and talking to one another, what are the next prayers this church needs to pray to become the church that in 2030 we can look back on and say, can you believe God answered that prayer? Can you believe that the prayers we prayed in 2021 and 2023 got answered in this way? Can you believe it? And we'll celebrate it again, and then we'll pray new prayers. And we'll trust that God's going to continue moving this church where it needs to be to be the people of God in the world that the world desperately needs us to be as the body of Jesus Christ to a world that is crying out, where is Jesus? Where is the Savior? If God can answer those prayers, 
what else is next? Because he's not done. God's still moving. The Spirit is still calling and leading. And if we will just listen and if we will let our prayers join with God's mission, then there is no limit to what God can do in this church. There's no limit. Today, I'm telling you, if you're here and you've never become a Christian, if you've never received the gospel of Jesus Christ, today's a great day to do it because God's got great things in store for you and great things in store for your family and great things in store for this church if you'll just get on board with what he's doing because God answers prayers. He's answered ours and he'll answer yours. And if part of your prayer is to become an answer to our prayer that God will seek and save the lost, please become that answer to that prayer today as we stand and sing.